0: Well, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. Joining us today, Brian Kennedy, Joel Farkas. Brian Kennedy's president of the American Strategy Group. He's also the chairman of the committee on the present danger China. Joel Farkas is the director of the American Strategy Group. I'm a fellow at the American Strategy Group in Washington. Are you, are you have anything to do with the American Strategy
1: Group? I am affiliated with those close to the group. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Washington dog. Right. <laughs> I'm a consultant.
0: Right. <laughs> but first, a few things I would like to discuss. Claude, I, I just would like people to listen to Joel and Brian and write us their views on what they say. Uh, both very strong, both very mm-hmm. critical of what's going on. I understand that. I don't go with some of it, as you'll see. Right. But you know it's very persuasive and they're very smart guys but uh you know trust the american people we trust our listeners would like to hear what they have to say yeah
1: please go. Yeah, no, absolutely We want to hear what they have to say uh bill Bennett Podcast at gmail.com on this conversation also continue to send in, uh emails uh, with the wade irley conversation uh as mm-hmm, well that mm-hmm. was a very good talk and then also the governor governor bill lee from tennessee we had a a, yeah. a bunch of great shows lined up and would love to get some feedback you know on all of them on all of them yeah. on mm-hmm. all of them uh, I have a brief comment on football. Georgia looks
0: overwhelming to me in college. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Buffalo looks overwhelming to me in the NFL. Yes, sir. Yeah, but we shall see. We shall see. It's a long season. Long season. Comments though. on that are welcome as well. Exactly. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Claude. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing, and market experts like Jamie Dimon, CEO of J.P. Morgan not only predicted a recession, but they're using terms like economic hurricane and unprecedented. If you want to protect your future, call the precious metal dealers at American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They make it easy. They are the highest-rated firm in the country with an a rating from the Better Business Bureau, the BBB, and thousands of satisfied clients. If you give them a call right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 855-761-3008. That's 855 761 3008, or text Bennett, B E N N E T T, Bennett, to 998899. Again, that's 855 761 3008, or text Bennett to 998899. Let's welcome Brian Kennedy and Joel
0: Fargus to the show. All right, gentlemen, All right. here we go. Um, much anticipated. The audience loves these discussions. And one of the things uh, that I often do is not tell these two smart dudes what we're going to talk about. They know we're going to talk about the state of the world, the economy, risks, existential threats to America. But always a couple of surprise questions. Uh, let me hit you with um, with one from uh, this morning. Uh, Readiness. Um, I know the readiness point has been made by Brian many times about our military readiness in terms of a capability to protect our country and missile defense capability. I saw this morning testimony by a defense official saying that uh, we may be 130,000 short in our military. I've been trying to look to confirm that number. I can't find it. Uh, But anyway, everyone agrees that we're very short on military personnel. And I saw that they asked Tom Cotton, Senator Cotton, why there was this uh, shortage. He pointed to a few things. But I'd like to ask you guys, why do you think we're not seeing uh, young people signing up for the military?
2: Joel, Um, it's a combination of young people not signing up for it. But um, the military isn't really interested. They just don't believe, at least with our... Current administration and many people in Congress that it's even an important thing to pay attention to they'd rather forgive student loans than uh, defend the country yeah I
3: think that's a, that's a very good answer Joel I think another way of thinking about this is that Americans, especially young men and women who join our military, want to know that they're fighting for something and today they don't know what they'd be fighting for they saw the pull out from Afghanistan. In the first year of the Biden administration, and they had to have been disturbed by that, that that seemed nonsensical and badly done and Americans died. And the only response from the Biden administration was to drone a house full of children. And no one in the administration uh, took any responsibility for having killed a family in Afghanistan just as a way of making themselves look tough, given their their bailout of Afghanistan. And so Americans look at the leader of the country and they wonder whether or not this is a country that, uh, or a military anyway, that they want to be part of. And if you combine that with the vaccine mandates, it, it's not surprising at all that we're far below mm-hmm. the recruitment uh, uh, standards that we
0: need. One of those uh, articles I read had the numbers of people who left because of the forced vaccination to be exactly the number that they cited as the number short.
2: And and then we, you know, along with the debt forgiveness for college education, I mean, we have promoted our kids in the United States going to college and basically spending most of their formative years in their 20s getting an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree. And by the time they're actually starting to work and do something, they're in their late 20s maybe 30 years old, depending on how far they go along. So we've now developed a country where people are not really doing jobs and doing work of consequence other than studying and delaying their time. And then we have an aging population because they're also not having, younger kids are not having uh, uh, kids and families as quickly or as much as we used to. And this is a classic example of why a country declines because of an aging population and the youth not engaging in other things um, uh, earlier and more substantial. And the military yeah. is, a, is a symptom of is, is one symptom of that that kind of a policy.
0: Let me tell you a story. I may have told you this story. I told the audience a story before, but our younger son, uh, when he graduated from Princeton, joined the Marines graduation all the parents were around talking about what their kids were going to be doing and we said uh, joe's going to be joining the marines and uh, a lot of parents said oh gosh what happened gee i'm sorry um gee really um why would he do that after this wonderful education well he wanted to do it he had other options but it was kind of like you know why wasn't he going to a uh you know, a, uh, a glass enclosed, um, you know, six by six foot office in Wall Street with the rest of the guys instead uh, deciding to join a sco- uh, serve his service country. We went to his uh, eating club afterwards, which was getting very raucous as uh, a graduation party. We're in the backyard, and two Marines, two Hispanic uh, young guys, uh, came up to swear him in. Uh, they wanted to do it right there on campus. and unfurled the flag, and Mrs. Bennett, of course, brought her own flag. She wanted to be sure we had two flags. <laughs> and he took the oath, and he, some of the raucous partying stopped, and they looked over and thought, what, what's that? And I, I was never prouder of him. Um, he was entering a you know place where he exists to, to live, to live or perhaps to die for other people. But um, if the attitude of parents was like that, that tells you something about the culture and how the culture and adults value the military. And uh, at least some adults, we've run into that. We've run into that before, as if this were some kind of uh, confession of failure to get the right job and on, on Wall Street. Um, he he wasn't upset by what people were saying, but we were. And I, uh, you know, and I, cha- I challenged a few people. But, but I guess just to come back to what you guys are saying, you know, we had the big movement to def- defund the police. We've had a lot of unpleasant, nasty things said about the military. We've had a lot of unpleasant, nasty things done to the military. Uh, Tom Cotton on TV was talking about political correctness and wokeness. He said people don't want to, you know, they don't sign up for the military in order to become woke. But that's what they're hearing. Um, plus, this uh, forced vaccination that, uh, that Brian mentioned. But I, I think it's just, you know, the fact that in the culture that, you know, no honor is paid uh, in, in lots of parts of the culture and the culture that's military families. It's very strong, but that that's dwindling and becomes a smaller and smaller percentage in the number of people who have served uh, in uniform each year uh, gets smaller. And, and that makes a difference. I've been talking too long. I'm supposed to be interviewing you guys.
2: I want to have Brian uh, uh, kind of finish your thought with what he started with and saying, and we want to defend. We have to have something to defend. And, and our constitution is something we want to defend. And when our constitution is under attack, as Brian was alluding to, then the question is, what are we defending and why am I here? Is, probably what a lot of young kids are thinking
0: even maybe more simply uh, fighting and defending america but you know what about america how good is america i mean you know what's guys know what's taught the schools and uh you know we see those polls that uh, you know majority of 18 year olds think socialism is preferable to capitalism Right
3: yeah no I think I think that's right and and I think the wokeness is a big deal you know you look at you look at this mad rush towards tran- transgenderism in our society and the fact that that extends to the military and that you have an admiral who's transgendered as part of our health system. I'm not sure why our health system needs an admiral exactly, but you know people look at those things they're signals they see them on TV and right. They think oh, signals. They, They think, what kind of country is this? And I I would not downplay at all The fact that a substantial number of Americans believe the last election was stolen and they think that there's something unjust about their country. And you look at these polls and you see the deep divisions in society and people talk about the possibility of civil war, right? Everyday Americans think that the country may be tending towards civil war. Well, don't be surprised when large numbers of people don't join the military under those circumstances because they're not going to take up arms against their countrymen. And by extension, if I'm right about any of this, and Donald Trump won the last election, then of course, if civil war comes, people will be very confused about what side to be on. And those kind of patriotic Americans who are quite likely to have voted for Donald Trump or their families to have voted for Donald Trump, whether they like him or not, they're going to be at odds with an administration that looks to be very woke in its outlook and very incompetent in its performance. So uh, I'm not surprised at all that
0: the numbers are way down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we used to associate the Jordanian the military—you know, great pride and the career in the military is a wonderful thing and a thing to admire—and you don't hear that much. You don't hear that much anymore.
3: Yeah, that having been said, I was at the Dodger game a couple nights ago with some of my Claremont colleagues, and at the Dodger game, Los Angeles—you don't think of as a bastion of conservatism in any way. You know, at every Dodger game, they have a. A ceremony, I think in the fifth inning, where they salute some member of the military that right. has joined them and they're in uniform. And I can tell you, every, and they read off all their accomplishments. It took about two minutes. Everybody in the stadium is giving them a stand, is giving this uh, woman a master sergeant, with giving her a standing ovation. And they right. did it in the most genuine, patriotic way possible. And so even though the administration of this country may be left-wing and radical, the American people, even in Los Angeles, California, are decent, patriotic, and respecting of
0: military men and women. That's the good news. At least a baseball game, at least a group, that subsection a cut of society that goes to the baseball game. Do those folks who gave the standing ovation, uh, encourage their kids to join the military?
3: You go to a baseball game, you're still believing in something deeply mm-hmm. American and, and,
0: and, and decent. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. I mean I, I mean, I certainly agree that, as I said, there's a section of American society that still believes and honors the military, uh, and, and, and is proud, uh, of, uh, its children when they, uh, when they sign up. But, There's The leadership at the top is not, and the cultural signals are are not.
3: This is a leadership question here. Yeah, that's right. Can can I also say something culturally, just because I know how much you're interested in culture, books. The most popular novels in America, among the most popular novels in America, are by a guy named Jack Carr. And the first of those novels was turned into a series on Amazon. And the show is called The Terminalist with Chris Pratt. And it is the most popular uh, show on television right now. Something like, you know, 180 million downloads. It's wildly popular. It's about a Navy SEAL who's been essentially screwed over by his own government and a woke military and a corrupt military leadership who, you know, that the hero, though, is trying to uh, defend the men who fought with him, uh, you know without giving away the story he's he is fighting for truth justice in the american way against a government his own government which is corrupt that is the most popular show on amazon prime right now the most popular novels in america and so we still want to have as our heroes these kind of military men the problem is their government and everything so their government's doing to sell them out
0: so the American people, or at least a large swath of the American people, believes in the military, uh, believes that the government and the current military leadership is
2: corrupt. I not only think that that's true in the United States, I, I think that feeling about most, most people in the world and their countries, it's a similar feeling. Um, they are around the world very angry at what their leadership has been doing to regular, normal Hardworking, decent people. This is mm-hmm. this is a phenomenon that's been pro- promulgated by these this notion of of globalism and central banks and European Union and and and, and kind of uh, ubiquitous investments around the world, so that we can all cooperate with one another and get along. That's nonsense. There is a a pride around the world for their cult people's culture, their country, the defense of something that they view is is good and just. And, and, and it's really it's really something that's a palpable thing that uh, it, it, that that that, uh, that I'm, I'm actually quite optimistic about the future because of that.
0: Are you guys politically uh, optimistic? That's where I was going to go later. But uh, if there's this uh, distress uh, worry, um Feeling of being, you know, badly treated by this government, this administration. Will we see that reflected in um, in the next election, which is coming up in November?
2: Well, I I think the November election, we're going to see quite a change. Um, But we also have an administration that has control of the FBI and the Department of Justice and the Securities and Exchange Commission and the IRS who is going to do everything they can as and, and 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 in a despicable way to attack the what I believe will be a conservative outcome this November but they'll spend the next 2 years doing things that are just untoward and they will believe that that is okay because they think that their conscience is better than others. They view anyone that believes in liberty and and, and, and patriotism as a caricature. It's they're, they're a cartoon and they will do anything to preserve their power. And I, that's 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 an unfortunate outcome, possibly, of what might happen in the November election.
3: Right. Yeah, no, I think that I think that that very well said by Joel, Um On the one hand, I think the polls would all suggest that this should be a very big Republican year, that Americans are looking at the economy, they're looking at the culture, they're looking at their own lives, and they're not seeing the kind of leadership, you know, presidential administration that was what they bargained for. I mean, even if you believe Joe Biden won the last election because he got more votes and everything was on the up and up, he ran on the premise that he was going to bring a kind of normalcy, stability, kind of a moderate, democratic, centrist Kind of approach to things. Now that that was sort of the media narrative in reality. When you actually hear what he said, he was really essentially promoting the Green New Deal and a kind of a very radical kind of approach to government. But the media narrative was you're getting back to the non chaotic Donald Trump. You're, you're getting rid of that world and you're coming back to sort of a normal centrist kind of government. Well, the last two years has been anything but that. There's been inflation. There was Afghanistan. There's, as, as, as I mentioned earlier, the sort of the woke agenda, and now the Green New Deal, and it is being pushed in the in the most uh, aggressive way possible. Americans are looking at that as they're losing their jobs, as they're not being able to buy homes, and they're thinking, "Wait a minute, this is not what I bargained for." And so, you're likely you should. You should, on the natural, see a wave election this fall where people vote in Republicans in large numbers, and I think the numbers are going to be so large this fall that it's going to overcome whatever potential fraud may be uh, perpetrated this this uh, this coming. Because you you think they'll they'll try to do it again, right? No. Well, you're, unfortunately, you're... We, unfortunately, we've not done anything to correct our you know election system, and it's as vulnerable as it was last time, perhaps more so. You're going to see the ubiquitous use of mail-in ballot in many states, and the ability to have fraud is going to be there. If the, if there's any ray of hope, it's that there is a lot of scrutiny now being brought to bear on the election system. You saw that with Governor Yunkin in Virginia and I think you're going to yep. see it in places all around the country. I was in a 3-hour meeting yesterday with people going over how to how to beat the fraud as it were. And even though it's not it's not absolutely guaranteed, there are going to be a lot of people this time trying to make
0: sure that the election is not stolen. So the combination of that plus what you think will be an overwhelming uh, vote of non-support for this administration will, will yeah. Carry yeah. Day. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yes. Okay. And also, and also to Joel's point about like the FBI and the potential corruption, you're seeing all sorts of FBI whistleblowers coming out now talking about mm-hmm. the politicization of the FBI and of government. And that's going to build on itself. It's going to build on itself in part because real men and women who are serving their country are seeing the corruption firsthand and going to Congress and, you know, reporting this to to higher authorities. And I think a lot of sensible people see that the Democrats are going to lose power and they want to be in front of that and don't want to be, you know, they, they want to be on the winning side of this. And so I right uh, now am optimistic.
0: Okay. I, I've seen one or two, you say increasing number. I, I've missed that, but to well, give me an idea well, of it. Or, Gra- uh,
3: Grassley's had 20 alone that he's willing to report publicly.
0: Okay, good. All right, Senator, I'll look Sen- into Sen- that. Senator I'll Grassley.
3: Look. And I'd recommend this uh, report by Miranda Devine in the New York Post about this, uh, this FBI agent in Florida who came forward, uh, decorated... You know, 37-year-old member of uh, FBI and FBI SWAT down in Florida who didn't even vote for Donald Trump. He says publicly, but just saw the politicization and going after everyday Americans who were part of, you know, who had been in Washington for January 6th and doing the kind of things that just it didn't make sense to him. And he was a he wanted to register as a conscientious objector and not be kicking in people's doors to arrest them. And eventually that drove him out of the FBI and and uh, had him go public. And I think him, along with a lot of other people, are going to be coming out in the next weeks and months to show really how, how uh, corrupt the FBI has become.
0: But these things aren't known unless they're told. And, you know, I, I don't read the Post every day. I pay, pay, pay pretty close attention. But, I mean, if you don't tell the story, if you don't tell the story in the mainstream media... A lot of people aren't going to know it. I mean, I didn't know there were 20 people on the Grassley list. Maybe that's my fault. But I'm I'm, I'm telling you, I think the most of the average voters in this country don't know that. You think that's right, Joel?
2: Well, you have to. You you have to tell the story. But um, part of the reason why in November I I agree with Brian that the the Republicans will have a, a, a massive victory. We still have we, this country is running in in and out of stagflation, stagnant growth, and rampant inflation. We have we have a, 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 the highest rates that keep going up of inflation, and and our federal and our our uh, the chairman of the Fed will refuse to pay attention to it because it's what he calls headline inflation versus core inflation. Headline inflation, simply put, includes costs of food and energy, and because the Fed's monetary policy can do nothing about those or, do not, or does not care about those, they ignore it. We have an entire country of 330 plus million people who are being told by our leaders, our fiscal policy leaders, which is the Biden administration and the Fed chairman, we do not care. We will not pay attention to your food and energy costs going out of control. That is that story's not told either. But we have a whole bunch of people that are going to vote in November that live it every day. And that's that's why I, I think that, yes, it's important to tell the story. But we're now in such a such a crisis and such such complete ignorance of what regular normal human beings care about. I think regardless of what the Republicans do or don't do, they'll do very well. And to add to that, the the the
3: the the strategy of the
2: Biden administration and and the Federal
3: Reserve to actually fix the inflation Joel's talking about, to the extent that they do have a strategy, it is to somehow engage in a kind of demand destruction to where people are going to lose their jobs and not be able to afford things. And the combination of that is supposed to make inflation better. Shutting down, basically making it difficult to run American businesses, right, so that people can no longer afford to buy things. This is their key strategy for fixing inflation.
2: John John Kerry, President Biden's climate czar, John Kerry, came out this week and was commenting on the recent legislation Biden signed. And he said there's really nothing he can see that it had to do with inflation. It doesn't do anything, basically, is what he said. But- what it does do is aggressively attacks or goes after climate issues that he cares about. He said that he didn't obfuscate it. He didn't try to walk around it. He said yeah. his recent legislation does nothing for inflation. Yeah. And, 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 and we had Rashida Tlaib, a congresswoman, tell the, 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 the CEOs of all of the largest U.S. banks um, you need to immediately, like this week, stop investing, stop promoting, stop doing anything with the fossil fuel company anywhere in the world. And they all actually told her, uh, un- we're not doing that. That will That is the, the death knell or some, they use some sort of phrase. that That, that is the, basically, uh, you know, the death knell for American economy and American citizens, American business.
0: But that's good. I didn't yeah. know they had that kind of gu- guts. Uh, rare. It's rare. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, they said it. <laughs> well, good, good, good. Um, what? By the way, just I'm curious. I, you know, this is a area I really don't know much about. What should the Fed be doing? Should it be raised by seventy five basis points or not, or more or, or not, or? Well,
2: so here, uh, um, what should? So, great question, Bill. Of, of, of your ten hundred thousand great questions you've asked, um, to say what Brian said, the Fed actually believes. Uh, food and energy costs are not contributors to inflation. They believe what Brian just said, that rising labor costs are the primary source of the inflationary environment. So what they are trying to do is destroy demand and reduce employment, which will then reduce when you destroy the demand, you destroy the business and you and you attack the the, the, the rising Um, wages and and you and you attack employment that's what the fed is doing and they and so they're now only all, all also telling americans uh you are the cause you your employment and your wages are the cause of the problems in the United States. I, I really can't even believe that Americans believe this stuff or listen to it. But what should so your question was, what should they be doing? Everything opposite of what they are doing.
0: They what should they be th- lo- lowering interest rates.
2: Well, they shouldn't be right, raising them just to kill demand. This is this killing of demand is not going to re- is not going to reduce inflation. It's going to destroy the GDP, which is why you end up with stagflation, stagnant growth, rising inflation. It is it is what Jimmy Carter's administration did in the late 70s. It's identical.
3: What the Fed should be doing is coming up with an orderly plan to dissolve itself.
2: I, I don't disagree. It would be better if they absolutely just shut up and didn't do anything and went home, went on vacation. But,
0: but Indefinitely. All right. But but before doing that, should they have dropped it by twenty five points or 50 or 300?
2: The rising and falling of interest rates are irrelevant to inflation. It it is. It is. It's it's, when I say irrelevant, maybe that's too extreme. It's by their by the Fed's own admission, interest rates deal with monetary policy alone. They don't deal with fiscal issues and they don't deal with food and energy costs. You need other thi- you, you need the federal government to do what they can to reduce food and energy costs. And the simple way is produce more of it. Produce right. more energy. Okay, you will, okay. You, will, you will reduce the price and the simple reduction of the price of energy, whether it's oil or natural gas or the liquids or the, or the polyethylene and polypropylene created by the refining of oil, which is in every single electric vehicle, Every single electric vehicle uses polyethylene and polypropylene to build that car. Every single electric vehicle plugs into an outlet, which is powered by natural gas or some other source of a fossil fuel. That's how you would reduce inflation. Rising interest rates is a way to do what Brian was saying is to destroy an economy without attacking the root cause.
3: And of course they can't destroy that they can't do what Joel is saying because they ideologically uh do not believe in economic growth and the things that common sense would tell you lead to economic growth. They want to destroy the economy as crazy as that sounds. They want it to make energy prices high. The things that would fix the the current crisis, economic crisis They they are doing this on purpose. They want, Joe Biden says, that these high energy costs are part of the cost of transition to a green economy and to electric vehicles. They want this. This kind of destruction of the economy is what they need in order to fundamentally alter it and build something else. And so this is... And this, but this, but I think, I think, you know, this is not, this is at some level, not incompetence. This is malfeasance. They're doing this on purpose. They want demand destruction. They want the economy to change fundamentally. They want to drive patriots out of the military. I mean, to go back to an earlier question, this is, this is not just, this is not just people who don't know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They think of this in revolutionary terms. And I think Americans are waking up to
0: that fact. Immigration. Looks like the attention being paid to it has increased some uh, because of the actions of uh, uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, for one, uh, (laughs) and Governor Abbott in Texas, uh, sending these immigrants to New York, Washington, in the case of DeSantis, to Martha's Vineyard, where the White House spokeswoman said... um, Well, this is terrible. This is an awful thing to do to these people. They have been, I'll never forget the phrase, abandoned in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, I was on TV the next night and wanted (laughs) to say, you know, please don't throw me in the Chardonnay patch, right?
1: Yeah, abandon me there. I'm good. Yeah, you're okay. Claude's ready. Been there
0: before. I'm good being abandoned. Claude's ready to go. I have never been to Martha's Vineyard. Really? Yeah, you got one up on me, but anyway. (laughs) Uh, You got one up on me and lots of things. But... Um, Were these guys right to do this? Has this drawn more attention in the right way uh, to this issue?
2: The the, the basic political concept is uh, if you have something, an issue that's a problem, then you want that problem not to be concentrated where no one sees it. You want it to be all over the all over the city, all over the state, all over the country. So everyone, the privileged and the and the not so privileged have to experience it. The city of Los Angeles did this 12 years ago with homelessness. They purposely allowed homelessness to be pervasive throughout the entire city. And when they complied with a settlement agreement with the ACLU under this Jones Agreement, they refused to then allow their police officers to do something about homelessness because ideologically they wanted every single citizen of Los Angeles, those in Brentwood, Beverly Hills, you know, uh, Bel Air, everyone to experience this. So the idea was you take your ideology and you say, OK, everyone gets to see it. All Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott are doing is exactly what every single left wing, radical, woke person, elected official and, and and ideologue, ideologue has done for a couple decades. And the fact that they are now saying, why are you doing this? My answer would be: I'm doing what you have been telling me I should do.
0: They sent 50 people, and I remember watching that night, checking it out. Apparently, it's 2,000 a day in Laredo, Texas.
2: How many hundreds of thousands are coming through these other these other border crossings over? Sure.
0: How come not into California so much? I asked Brian this the other day. I think the main the main sort of track is through. Arizona and Texas,
3: um, just, just as a practical matter, it's just easier to get through Arizona and Texas. And frankly, Governor Ducey is not doing that much in Arizona and Governor Abbott's not doing that much in Texas. They have these things where they, you know, I, I was all for let me say, Governor DeSantis sending them up to Martha's Vineyard because it gets the mainstream media, not just Fox News and, and the conservative parts in the media talking about it, but it gets everybody talking about it. So just as a, you can call it a political stunt if you want, but I think it was a good one just to get people to understand what's really going on. The numbers, sometimes, you know, we, 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 we look at this crisis and we don't focus on the numbers. They think this year's numbers will be two million last year's numbers yeah, yeah. will be about two million people. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have four million more people from around the, you know the world here in the United States because of these policies of Joe Biden. And Kamala Harris comes out last week and says when, when pressed even by the media, she says, oh yeah, this this, uh, this border is secure. You know, don't worry about us. We got you know. This is secure, and it's just straight gaslighting. This well, is nothing about, secure about this border. Millions of people are coming across it.
0: I mean, well, what, what what's the charge here on Abbott and Ducey? Um, I saw this morning. Send the, send, send the national guard to the border. Stop stop this from happening. Don't you to send period? Send the national guard. Don't you need federal government's approval? Do it. Let the federal government stop you.
3: The point is, we're, it, it's an invasion. Well, no, I mean the if, the, if if an actual invasion is going on here, I think constitutionally, Abbott or Ducey are well within their constitutional rights to send in the National Guard. Maybe. I think they've done a or, lot. Or, 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 or some kind of force. Look, both of those guys, uh, let me be radical for a moment. Both of those guys are subject to all sorts of pressures from the Chamber of Commerce types within the Republican establishment who are more than happy to have illegal immigration in order to further suppress wages for working Americans. And it was the genius of Trump to say enough is enough. We're not
2: going to and do that. It's not only the chamber; it's only the Chamber of Commerce. It's, it, it, it's what I alluded to earlier. It's even our Fed Chairman, and it's our—it's it, all of the, uh, the, the the board, board of director the board members of the Fed. They believe that that um, suppressing wages is good, suppressing employment and business activity is good, and and they absolutely think that the significant, most primary cause of inflation is wage growth. There you go. Right. Better, better said. Better said. That's but that's real. That's real. And so when we act like Republicans By the way, are it, it, all it's on board not board to fix this, they're not right. It's not only real, as you know. They say it. They're not even. They're not even well, hiding. They yeah. publicly say it. I think. I think they're all in for this. They're all in on this policy. I think the, uh, the administration's political calculus is see who, see which Republican we can indict. I think that would be their preference.
0: Okay. so see if you can indict DeSantis or, or Abbott or Ducey or somebody. Yeah. You also
3: have looked the most one of the most popular Republicans in America right now, other than Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, is Carrie Lake running for governor of Arizona. Uh-huh. I'm, going to be seeing, I'm going to be seeing her on Sunday. And she, what's her what's her basic uh, agenda? She's going to fin- she's going to finish the wall using state money. And she's going to send the National Guard and make sure that this invasion stops because it's an invasion. And her job will be to protect the people of Arizona.
0: Well, that's a
3: winning message. And she's winning in the polls.
0: Well, uh, uh, yeah, no, I understand. And I've uh, I've seen the message Um, come back to the National Guard question. I don't know if she gives that direction, whether uh, that's an order that has to be followed without federal approval. But we'll see. Um, I certainly I certainly know what she's talking about. And I certainly know the response and how strong and how positive um, it is. Um, uh, is this uh, I mean, is is this, is the answer to this, the, the reason they support this uh, really an economic answer? Or is it about destroying American identity and not giving a damn about the border sovereignty of the reason that the Biden administration won't budge? well what's good about this in their view uh do we do we say the narrow interpretation which is you know these will be more democrat votes in the future
2: yeah power uh, that, in it. top power in votes
0: yeah I think I think it's a combination of power
3: votes and it's not so much that illegal immigration is good it's that America is bad and illegal immigration is a very useful yeah. tool to make sure that the the, all these Americans are put in their place. And so these new people will be able to vote and displace them. And, you know, again, I I hate to sound like it's a communist revolution, but it's a communist revolution. And the people who are in charge of our government today are not behaving in a way that
0: defends the American republic. I certainly agree that they're not. I certainly agree that they're not. Let, what about uh, let's go overseas for, you know, for five minutes here. Uh, a saber rattling by Putin I don't know if, if these losses that are reported uh, are real uh, reports of morale down in my Russian troops so he's going to send a lot more troops empty the Russian jails send them to the line and now we're getting the media reporting that he has said don't rule anything out so then this whole question of tactical nuclear weapons uh, arise do you think he's using this just as a threat or does he mean it I I would say he,
3: I would say he, uh, he does mean it. I think the losses were real. In all the briefings I've been getting, the, uh, the Russian military has not performed as expected. And the ability of the Ukrainians with these limited American arms, the HIMARS and what have you, to inflict damage on, on Russian forces has been pretty profound. And we we've learned something through all this about the russian's ability to project power one might argue that they've not put their best forces at risk in this endeavor and in that uh they've suffered some real setbacks here and you know i think putin is a is a dictator and can maneuver his way around some of these things but uh given the current incompetence of his military Yes, he could use tactical nuclear weapons against the Ukrainians, but it appears he doesn't have the military forces to then take advantage of those nuclear strikes. You can. You can he knows that. You, well, look, he, he could he could make, you know, look, he can make all sorts of misjudgments. I think his short term strategy and Joel knows far more about this. Putin's short term strategy is to, in his own words, to, to freeze out Eastern and Western Europe and make them suffer for having done what they've done.
0: I want. I did want to ask Joel about that. Um, uh, comment on the on, the, on the tactical nuclear weapons, Joel. But also, uh, you're. I think you're. You're talking to us from Europe. Uh, are we going to see a, a, a freeze out of the of
2: the NATO countries? Yes, we are. We're, we're, we're going to. You know, we have some uh, some some countries. Uh, I think Finland talking about joining NATO. Uh, Russia doesn't like that. Um, they control. The natural gas supplies, not through the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, mm-hmm. the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, they control those those uh, those supplies They're They have been reducing them. They've been reducing them under the guise of, well, we have operational maintenance that we have to do so we can't right, um, right, right. can't uh, do, you know, supply. This. So they have all these sorts of things. And then, you know, as to what he will do i mean it's pretty clear that if it doesn't matter if you're uh, if you're a very wealthy businessman or an oligarch or whatever it is you are in his country if you speak out against whatever he's doing whether there's misjudgments or not if you speak out you end up being um you know jumping out of a window because you're yeah, very
1: depressed yeah.
2: yeah
0: yeah my wife was talking about this <laughs> no. last
2: night about four
0: or five of these uh guys who's wealthy russians oligarchs who spoken out and you know one died of poison one got hit, hit by a car one quote
2: jumped out of a window on the sixth floor
0: yeah so Go it's ahead. not, it's, it's, not it's,
2: it's not it's not a relevant conversation as to whether he makes misjudgments or not it's um um he's going to do he's in charge he's going to do what he's going to do and if you if you oppose him it's quite clear what the future lies what holds for you
0: what happens when you freeze out europe i mean not uh... What will
2: Europeans do? How long will this last? Well, it, it, so it's been lasting a couple decades right now. <laughs> so how long uh-huh. can it last? It can it can go on because what is this, the what is the answer to having a supply cut off? Um, produce more and get more supplies. If you have political opposition, basically saying every single financing investment company in the world is precluded from. Providing capital to do that, um, you're going to literally watch the decimation of an entire um, uh, region, Um, a series of countries. What are they going to do? They're going to do what they've been doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Paying more, telling everybody this is the cost of transitioning. So, what will they do? They're just going to, the prices are going to keep going up. They're going to do nothing. They're not going to supply any new sources of supply of any consequence, and they're going to tell their populations this is the cost of transitioning to green energy.
0: Oh, man. Wow. That's bad news. Uh, that's bad news. It's, uh, four times now, apparently, uh, Joe Biden has said if uh, China invades Taiwan, we're sending the American military 60 minutes. He's he was asked second time, American men and women, young men and women will go, yes. He said yes. It's the fourth time he's done it, the fourth time he's been corrected uh, by his uh, staff. Uh, <laughs> does he mean it? Will that happen? And will that happen? I think his just, you know, the
3: reflex is he has to look tough. He, he He's no longer a, a thoughtful, without being, you know, just his mental state. He's no longer a thoughtful human being that he's simply acting tough because he thinks, you know, when, when presented with these military crises, he has to look tough because he doesn't really know what it is. The policy should be, or actually is. So the staff has to walk it back. Uh, we're not going to, you know, do the kind of things he's talking about we're not building a military to do that uh, we have a capable military in some important respects we have a navy that can do many things in the far east and many things to help taiwan but the way it's cast is not exactly the way it's really going to work if china actually did invade taiwan they would they would before they even did that it wouldn't be our choice. They would attack US forces in Japan and they would attack Japan.
0: Why would they do that first?
3: Because if you're going to, to because Taiwan is strategically significant to us. And if you're going, to, if you're China and you're going to run the risk of invading Taiwan, you're going to make sure that Japan and the United States can't help them. OK. And that would require a preemptive attack on U.S. forces in Okinawa.
0: Now, Doesn't that, that make it, Joe Biden's decision easier to attack the U.S. military. That's war. Right. Well, assuming he wants to fight a war.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's not he's
3: not constructing a military that can actually engage in that kind of war.
0: I know. He's but not, I mean, in terms of kind of moral ambiguity while well, defending Taiwan. Well, well, American battleships and cruisers were sunk today by by Chinese. American people would say, well, let's kick the hell out of them.
3: we will. And and and,
0: and let's go. We, we will do that.
3: But that's that that presumes that it's China goes into Taiwan and then we react like a tough guy. That's that's what I'm pushing back against. I got you. He, I got you. He's, sim- he's simply trying to act like a tough guy when in reality the United States would be attacked. And it wouldn't be a choice. But the key the key takeaway should be, are we doing the things now so that our forces in Japan are secure, that our Navy is secure and that the American homeland is secure? And yeah. on all of these things, Joe Biden has in his two years as president and his 40 years in Washington, made sure that we didn't have adequate preparations for that and that's the thing to highlight we don't have a national missile defense we don't have an adequate navy we don't have and we have a powerful navy don't don't get me wrong but and we can do a lot to you know block china's shipment of oil to to china from from other parts of the world but the last thing you want to do is getting to a shooting war in you know with china in the pacific and because of the weakness Joe Biden is displaying, not rhetorically, but in in reality, when it comes to our military capabilities, up. then it's more likely. And, that, and that's the yep. problem.
0: That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and your friends, and we will catch up next week.